Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Alan. I'm Josh. And we are here, and we are back in the room. Um, if For those of you that don't know, this last Sunday, we actually did a live podcast session. Um, different. Very different. It yes. wasn't just, like I said, Sunday. It's not... It wasn't just the bugs crawling around the room. There was about 200, 300 people watching. Um, and so I thought it was interesting because we held conversations, but at the same time, all three of us almost had to teach together. So that was kind of like a tag team teaching session. I've never done something like that. It, I think that uh, ho- hopefully it was received well, but uh, you're exactly right. It was more like a, uh, a, a educational teaching yeah. And it was uh, just a, a discussion of uh, the Bible. Yeah. Oh, how was it for you, Josh? What do you it, think? It was it was different. Um, I do. I must say, I do like our podcast room a little bit better yeah. because it's the, the, you don't have anybody like watching you. Yeah, and, you know. So like when we do things, you know, they drop stuff or look away or. Did, did, you, did you guys notice I dropped my notes? I did. Yes. yes, and I my did. mic died, so I had to go get another one, and I was just like, "This is." wonderful yeah. that this is happening yeah i was i was paranoid about every action i made getting my glasses out of my pocket and yeah you know taking the lid off my water bottle i thought everybody's watching me well there were things about it too where like we would do something and i would laugh like i normally would but yeah. then everyone else was like sitting there and i was like oh this isn't funny <laughs> Oops. Um, so it's just it's better when we're in here and we got another person because we can just we all think it's funny and we'll laugh uh, there's not a lot of people but it was good I, yeah. I think it was thoroughly good um we've heard good things so far and some of the things that we have done like uh, just amongst ourselves that we've developed a chemistry and it's like a non-spoken communication system that we use yeah uh that was that was challenging Sunday morning. Yeah, that uh, it was. Uh, it was almost like I had to watch you guys more to see when you were done talking, because in here, like, I can like you can be talking and I'll, I'll be like, well, and you'll keep going. But there, I almost was like, these microphones are really loud, dude. And if I'm like, well, like everyone's gonna be like, well, Hunter's getting ready to talk, and so, yeah. but it was good. I, I mean, I think it's one of those things that like. I would love to do that again. I think it would be, whether it's our church or someone else wanted it, I'd do it again just because of, it gives us an opportunity to talk about important things that need to be talked about. And I mean, even like, you know, this last Sunday, see, we got done talking about discipleship, and then Pastor Jason gets up and says some like powerful things about like, you think preaching is just me getting up here and, you know, your preference and all, and, but he's like, what is preaching? What is the, it's the, the so, word so true and when we talk about the 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 avenue or the vessel that's used yeah. to deliver that message yeah. uh, it's kind of humbling to think about the the responsibility that we have when we sit here and we we uh endeavor to to handle god's holy divine word yeah uh it, it's true it's humbling and uh, uh i tell you what i i really enjoy it and i, I i'm uh, I'm thankful for Sunday's opportunity. I think it was a, an awesome opportunity to sit in front of the congregation yeah. and let them see what goes on. But I'm also very thankful to be back in our comfort zone. Absolutely. Back, yeah. back, yes. back <laughs> in our little cubby. Back yes. in our element. Yeah, <laughs> I like for real. Um, but we are thankful. Thank you, church, for allowing yes. us to have such an opportunity. And, uh, you know, ultimately, uh, we hope it just impacted and touch someone's life as much as it's touched ours because discipleship is just a very important thing that isn't talked about a lot um and that's not you know we don't do it here perfectly at the chapel like we try to have discipleship and we strive to have it but we're not perfect so we're not pointing fingers at all the other churches it would just be a beautiful thing to see all churches grab onto the aspect of literally the first thing jesus did was he found the 12. Yeah. He found his people, and they followed him, and he taught them many things. And so if he did it, well, we need to imitate him. Um, so, But we're glad to be back in here. Um, so discipleship's not coming to an end. We're actually going to take the momentum from Sunday. We're going to take the next few weeks, uh, probably about four, um, to just really dive into our four or five questions more in depth because Sunday, you know, we had about 45 minutes to about a little under an hour but we have more notes, more thoughts, more scriptures, and so we're going to turn this into something uh, that we can continue. Um, and so I'm excited too. And here's just a little secret: we're actually, you guys don't know this, we're in the podcast room tonight, but we're having to do two episodes back to back. 
So that way we can have one for this week, next week, just some things are going on. So we're doing back-to-backs tonight. We're super thankful because um, if you guys remember Zoe, one of our special guests a couple weeks, she's actually bringing us some food. So we're super excited that we, but we just get to talk about the word of God for the next few hours. Um, And I'm excited to kick it off kick this off with you know a new subject so we are going to continue discipleship but before you even do that uh, we do have an intro question that we'd like to address and this was sent in by Alyssa Sutton a few weeks ago Um, Alyssa we're super thankful that you sent this in um, and you wanted to know and I I feel like this is a question that you know a lot of people might ask Um, and it's this do tongues and wonders of God still exist so do tongues and wonders of God still exist? This is a pretty big question. What do you guys think? So when you look at the gift that God gave for uh, the advancement of the gospel in the book of Acts after the Pentecost, the Spirit fell, uh, there was a need there. Yeah. And the, the need was for folks to be able to understand the gospel as it was uh, being presented, and not just... Uh, hear somebody uh, speaking but to have it be delivered in an understandable manner that would be effective in them number one being able to understand the concept of what's being said and number two being able to accept or reject accept or reject that and uh, when you look at the at the gift of tongues that was that was the the only purpose in it was to, to allow folks to be able to be uh, uh, delivered in, uh, into the kingdom uh, through uh, listening to and understanding the word of God and what uh, has to be done and, and uh, moving on that, accepting that. And uh, uh, so that purpose for uh, the gift of tongues was effective for that time in the church. Uh, it was an and it was an isolated case. It was it had a need to be fulfilled, and that's how it was fulfilled. Was the day of Pentecost, the speaking in tongues, so the whole crowd could hear in their own language, their own tongue. And here, here's here's what I say, and I've said this before. I've, I've said it in Sunday school. I've said it multiple times that we've we've studied and we've taught on this particular topic. If you're listening, and, and the gift of tongues confuses you, uh, I, I've said it. Uh, there was a time at Watson's Chapel where we used this gift. Here's the context, though. We had Spanish, non-English speaking people in our congregation that would say it and didn't have a clue what the pastor was saying. So scripturally, we needed a means to help this group of our congregation understand what the preacher was saying. Therefore, we had a Spanish speaking translator, yes. translator that would tell them Word for word, what the pastor was saying. Alan, if I had a boom sound effect, yes, I would have pushed that it been, by now. <laughs> boom. Because, I mean, you, that's a I say boom. The, yes. Everybody in the room got tense when I said that we have used the gift of tongues at Washington. Okay, <laughs> so from, from what Alan has said, um, I mean, here's the biggest thing, too, is, you know, when, when the gospel, when Jesus was gone, right, he wasn't really, he ascended to the Father. He said, I'm going to send the comfort. I'm going to send the Spirit. So to make the spirit and like the beginning, the kickstart of the gospel to start, God sent wonders and signs to initiate the movement of the true gospel with the spirit, right? Because they they had the message, but now they have tongues, they have healing, they have all the apostles. But the thing was, is all of these things just showed how real it was. Yeah. Because even at the end of Paul's journey, he wasn't. I mean, he healed Eutychus, and then after that, when he starts going to courts, not now he's just teaching doctrine. Yeah. So yeah. At, at the beginning, there was things that happened, but then towards the end of Paul's career, it wasn't about signs and wonders anymore. It was about doctrine. And let me let me explain a little bit further. That that statement, it was loaded, and I, I loaded it intentionally just for dramatic effect because Pentecost was miraculous. Yeah. Yes. It was it was a absolute miracle that God worked. Without the assistance of uh, a, a human's education, where he had to physically learn two languages or three languages or whatever, God God gifted them with the ability. Boom. Absolutely, and that's, and that's the thing. So Acts chapter two, that's what it says. It says every a man man from every nation. That's what I was about to read. Every nation yeah. was there. Yep. Yeah. 
and numerous languages. And they were astounded because not only did they speak it, they spoke it fluently. Fluently in their native language. In dial- yes. The dialect, yes. the accent. Yes. If, they, if they were Appalachian, well, they had the, a lot they had of the people, southern twang. Would be a lot of people way. get wrapped around Acts 2. But, I mean, here's the thing. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, what was the first place he said to go to? The Jews, right? Yeah. Go to Judea, go to Samaria, and go to the rest of the world. So by Jesus' command, you have who the gospel is going to go to first. It said I had to go to the Jew first, yes. right? Then it would be rejected by the Jewish people. Then it would go to the Gentiles. Um, so when you look at this commission that's being comp, you know, they are where the Jews are. Judea, they go to Jerusalem. They go to all, the, all these places where the, the Hebrews are. And a lot of people get wrapped around all of the different people, the languages, but a lot of these people, were they were all Jews. Yeah, there were yeah. some Greeks in the mix, but a lot of them were Jewish Greeks who were Greeks that converted to Judaism. And so you have all of these Jewish people, these followers of the law, and all of these people that love it and desire it, and then all of a sudden there's not a common language. So, of course, God's going to have to do something, right? God's going to design something to happen, and that's what, what Josh was saying is all the nations were there. You have the uh, Parthenians, uh, Parthenians, my bad, uh, Medes, the Elamites, uh, dwellers in Mesopotamia, and all Judea. Oh, Great Commission, Judea, they're there. Uh, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia. You have all all these different places that people are there. And that's the thing, is when you look at the word tongue, a lot of people get wrapped around as almost, it's almost like a, a, a gibberish or something that occurs. And they're like, we're speaking with heaven, heavenly divine tongues. But I just want to ask this question. When the angel showed up to the people... What did they speak? Did the people not understand them? Like when Mary, when Moses, when all these people encountered angels, they knew exactly what the angel was saying. So angels never came down with some divine language because if they did, how would they have known? And it was so clear and so understood that the writers of scriptures were able to write it down word for word. So it wasn't just the encounter, but then you have the people that are writing it, that were inspired to write the account. So when you look at the word... You have glossé. Uh, now, a lot of people put out a word called glossacea, but when you study out the term glossacea, it was made way after Acts 2 by a bunch of professors. Um, and I'm ho- hopefully we'll get to dive into spiritual gifts one day in a segment because I have a whole historical article about the guys who changed glossé to glossacea and all of these words. Um, and our pastor teaches this too. I mean, it's, it's not new information. But when you look at the definition of tongues in the Greek language, it says... Um, the tongue of uncertain affinity, the tongue by implication, a language, Spe- specifically one unacquired. The tongue, a member of the whole body, uh, the language or dialect used by a particular people distinct from that of other nations. So when you see that someone's speaking in a tongue, it needs to be a known language. Okay. Um, and so that's why when you look at Acts 2, you have the example. But in this day and age, everybody thinks it's some divine experience that takes place. But the definition of tongue in 2020 is not what we find in the scriptures. And if it's not what we find in the scriptures, then we shouldn't be a part of it. And I mean, when when John said, try the spirits to see whether they be of God. Yes. Is that? Yeah. That's I scary mean, right there yeah, to test think about. the spirits. I, I'm telling you. And you said, Hunter, are you saying that demon, demon spirits could get in a service or be in a bunch of people? I mean, is that not their goal is to destroy the people? Now, I'm not, if you're listening to this and you believe in this and you're like, I've never been possessed by a demon, I'm not saying you have, but I'm just saying if something doesn't line up with scripture and it's being practiced, then who's influencing it? How do you also, I mean, if you don't know what you're saying and it's left up to an interpreter and they, they don't truly know what you're saying, so you're then speaking a language that you have no idea what you're doing. You have, you, um, I mean, that's that's that you are asking for a I mean, anything at that moment. The thing is, is the reason it tells us to test the spirits is because there is very much a presence of a demonic spirit out there as well as it as, as, as a heavenly spirit, whether they be of God. Yes. And I mean, the thing about it is, is if we are opening doors to allow an, a demonic spirit in, we can very easily ex, ex, give them an access into something that we know nothing about. Very well said, intentionally or unintentionally. And when we go back historically, and maybe it would be a good idea to have uh, Pastor Jason on in a, a future episode and get him to, because uh, I, I did uh, 
uh, listen in on that that uh, lesson, and it was uh, amazing. Some of the things that were historically a whole segment on spiritual gifts would be really interesting. It would be. It would be. Uh, but historically, things that by not not the fault of of God or the Holy Spirit, but man and his interpretations and his uh, uh, meddling with uh, the the Word of God and translating it the way they believe it and the way they see it and and, and making it fit their lifestyle again it's a it's it's a uh, the bible says that god's not the author of confusion right and if there ever was a confusing topic for some people uh that this is one of them it's it's pretty plain to me there was a need in the church for folks to understand and god provided that need yep and and then one thing too is like for me it's so that that is um speaking in tongues is one of the spiritual gifts um and I, I the thing is is that when a when one would be obtain a spiritual gift it would be from God right so therefore if we are given that gift from God to ourselves do we even need to know that we have that capability so i mean if if God was going to use us to speak to somebody that didn't understand us. I don't know. I, I might be way off base, but I don't believe that we would know that. I don't think that we would speak their language and just all of a sudden start speaking. I think that it's we're speaking our language and they're hearing it in their language. Um, as I don't believe that all, I don't believe the day of Pentecost. I mean, it was a miraculous event. Absolutely. But I mean, the thing was, is that there was a language that came out that all of them heard. And like, and like you said, Alan, in their dialect specifically yep and 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 that that need is not here so if we would the, the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues in today's time it would be applicable um like i said i just the god that we read about is a jealous god he wants the honor he wants the glory it's him it's his work once we understand or have the mindset that we have the capability to do any type of a spiritual gift or work we then are taking the glory from God and putting it upon ourselves, saying, well, I have the capability to do this. And that's where, you know, I, and there's a lot of different views on whether they spoke specific languages or they spoke their own and people, and I've heard that conversation be held. But the moral of the story is that there was a need that day for people to hear the gospel yes. of Christ. And, and that's the thing is even like if you're listening to this and you're like, well, what proof do you have? Well, I mean, go read First Corinthians 14. And we could, that, that, that chapter right there, if you look at it, and we could go back and forth. God's, God doesn't change. God hasn't lost any power. God, if he wants to do anything, he can do whatever he wants without seeking our approval. Right. So if there's a need, God can meet that need, whatever it is. But understand, there has to be a need first. And, I mean, he's going to stay within the context that he's given us because there's also people that go to church that they never talk about tongues as though it never exists. And, I mean, it, it definitely does. in right. the script. Like, if it's in the Bible, it exists. And it says it's a spiritual gift. Now, even, you know, when Paul, he even says, you know... I speak more language than all of you, more tongues. So Paul was bilingual. He could speak many languages. I mean, we pe- we have people here in the chapel. They can speak Spanish fluently, so they're used to speak. To pe- so there is a need, and there definitely is a gift, I believe. And, you know, if God were to send some a missionary to Zimbabwe or somewhere else, and God chose to give them a natural... Un, just unnaturally acquired, you know, ability to speak that language, and that's a God-given tongue that God gave. Absolutely. But when you look at the definition, it says by implication, a known language. So you have to keep it within the context of it has to be a known language. I mean, when people come up and they're just speaking, you know, it sounds like they're beatboxing or something like that. Like that's not a known language that I've heard of. Now I know in Africa and I know in some other countries in the world there are tribes that do have languages that like we I mean we hear and we're like, what is that? That is a language to them and God could definitely but it it, it says a known language. And then even when you look at tongues, I mean in verse uh, 22 of 1 Corinthians 14, that's where he says uh, tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign for unbelievers, uh, not for unbelievers but believers. So there's just something about that a tongue that's sent. I mean, it, it's to minister to people. 
Um, but you know, when we look at Alyssa's questions, does it do? Does it still exist with tongues? I mean, it's a biblical taught spiritual gift that exists, but you have to look within the context of what even Alan's saying. It's like now, if everyone in our church speaks English, then why would we need to start speaking Spanish where no one could understand? Or like you all, at one point in time, you had a lot of people that spoke English, but you had a lot of people that speak. There was a need for it. There was an interpretation and someone who could fluently speak. Now, when you look at the other things, you know, that was in the question, when you look at Acts and it says that many miracles or wonders were happening, you know, the apostles, they could speak tongues. They could heal people if it was God's will. They could cast demons out. And so I, I want to say this, and I, I think this is the most, this is the best simple answer about wonders and miracles. It has to be a God-given miracle. I have no power within me to heal anyone, right? I mean, uh, the street healers and all these guys that show up, they have no power within their fingertips to be able to do that stuff. So if do wonders and miracles still exist, yeah, they still happen. People are healed. We've seen miracles this year in our church of people being healed. Um you know, does demon possession still happen? Yes. Can people be healed from that and delivered from that? Yes, but it has to be God who gives that power. Now, you want the the apostles, they were given power to do things, but it wasn't like a superpower that they could use, you know, like flying and all that stuff. It was a God-given thing that they were empowered by God to do that thing. They had no power within themselves. And the conflict is addressed in the Scripture, too, because they're being human fleshly people having the ability to be used by God in such a fashion that's mind-blowing, they start getting a little bit swelled up. They start rejoicing a little bit in all their accomplishments. They were, oh, they look were what obsessed. we're doing. Yeah. Look what we can do. Look at our... And they quickly get called to a halt. So don't rejoice because you can do all this. Rejoice because your name's written in heaven. That's what yeah. you ought to be rejoicing about. And I mean, it's just one of those things that, you know, God can do whatever he wants. But when you look at a time of sign and wonders, I mean, the book of Acts was written by Luke, who was a a recorder of history. I mean, even in his gospel of Luke, I mean, at the beginning of it, he talks about that he traced all things. He followed all things so it would benefit us when we read it, knowing that it's real. And so if in a historian, I mean, Luke was a doctor. I mean, he was a smart man. So if he wrote Luke saying that he recorded history, historical things and events that took place of Christ, then why, what would change in the book of Acts for him? Nothing. He, he's writing down historical events. And so my number one question all the time is, why are we trying to bring history to the future? And number two, and this one, this one, it might trip some people up. This Acts chapter two is for Jews. It was literally for Jewish people. If you look at Peter's message, who is it for? It's for the Jews to let them see what they did to Jesus Christ. So why are we trying to take something that was intended for Jewish people and then push it on the Gentile church? Right? Everybody's like, oh, Pentecost is coming. Let's have Pentecost this year. Okay, where are the Jews at? Because this was intended for Jewish people. So why are we trying to take something that was in the Great Commission, commissioned by Jesus to happen and to occur first to Judea, the Jewish people, and now we're trying to make it fit within our filter of the Gentile church in 2020? See, to me, that doesn't make sense. Now, obviously, things happen with the Gentiles to speak tongues, and it was a gift that was practiced, and Paul said it is a spiritual gift. But why are we trying to take... And is this not the common thread... People will try to take something out of Scripture and apply it to their lives and put themselves in the middle of it. Absolutely. And I'm not, like like to say, I'm not calling anybody out, but I just want to know, if Jesus said that it was for, he gave the commission, he said it's going to go to Judea first, and all of a sudden, Acts chapter 2, we see that it did, and that meant it was for Jewish people, the gospel would go to them first. Why are we trying to rob something that was just for Jews and push it on Greeks and Gentiles? And that's what I don't understand. And I've had a hard time trying to understand. I mean, like, I understand it because I see what the context of the Scripture says. But I've had so many conversations with people where I'll bring that up or talk about it, and no one has an answer. It just goes from Scripture to an opinion. And, I mean, when we have conversations about the Word of God, we should be able to have Scripture that supports everything we say and not just an an opinion that's based off an emotion or an experience or, you know, a glory or something that took place. Go ahead, Josh. Um, 
Well, you were referencing First Corinthians earlier. First um, Corinthians fourteen twelve. It says, "Even even so, ye for as much ye are zealous um, of spiritual gifts, which to be to, to have zeal for something is that to pushing it forward, enthusiasm, excitement." And it says, so they're they're basically looking for it. But it says, seek ye that, or seek that ye may excel the edifying of the church. Um, And then in verse 19, it says, yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice might teach others also than 10,000 in an unknown, unknown tongue. And I mean, that that's the, ultimately, I mean, we are to spread the gospel message, the truth about Christ. And the best way that we can do that is in, I mean, if I am speaking to, you know, a friend of a, or a coworker on the job site, for me to sit there and try to, you know, they would not understand me. And that's why, you know, we would speak, I would speak to him just like I am right now. Because it's going to be, if anything's going to be learned from it. Um, and then if you go to, if you go and see, times of speaking in tongues because i've not experienced it i mean a lot of the times especially when i was before i was saved i would like i said i attended numerous different churches and when i seen it and experienced it personally it left me questioning more than anything else and that's what because i did not understand it and you made a comment that when you ask about it so when i asked about it that's what they told me they you know they says well have you been saved and i'm like no and they're like well not until you're saved will you understand it and i'm like so what happens then and they're like well once you're saved you will uh, learn to speak in tongues and that's when the spirit will come to you and so i mean for me it was even the more the thing that where i had more questions and um I asked them, I said, you know, so what then was the next step? And they, the, the, one of the things that they continually told me is that that was an evidence of your salvation. Hmm. So you can take uh, any scripture you want just out of context. Yes. And, and over analyze it and completely warp the meaning of it. Uh, there is so much in God's word to focus on. As far as proactively uh, presenting the gospel and witnessing and being a servant and discipleship yeah. and things that we've already talked about, as to, and, and if you're one of those folks that are are, are pro tongue and you, and you believe in it, and, and if I've not spoken tongue, I'm lost and going to hell. You've probably already quit listening to this podcast, absolutely, because it's it, it's it, what we're saying is probably mildly offensive. But here's the deal. Uh, I would rather focus my effort and attention on the things in God's Word that man alive. I've got a whole lot to work on. Yep, got a lot to work well, on. Well, no, not only that though, Alan. The thing is, is that you know, there there is so much in just the stuff that truly matters of exactly. people's salvation yes. that we don't need to get tied up in exactly. the stuff of the small things. You know, and I mean that's the thing. We you start looking at different denominations and people that come from different backgrounds of denominations. One will believe that one is absolutely yes. a no and the other one's fully supporting of it. But the thing is is that if you got both of those groups of people and sat them down and asked them, does it have anything to do with your salvation? Most of the time they will tell you no. There is some cases where they will stand firm and say, well, yes, it is. But for the most part, it's not. It's not a salvational issue. But the, like it says, and, the, the, and I mean, even to the point to where there's been churches split yep. over stuff of that where yep. it has nothing to do with spreading the gospel, sharing the gospel, or, you know, a, a salvation message. It's, it's all on this stuff that... Well, as a preference, and I don't think you know when you look at the question of do tongues and wonders and all that stuff still exist. I don't really think that's the specific question that people are wanting to know. I think they're wanting to know this: Can I do what the apostles did? Is that not what the real issue is? Because they all want to do what the apostles did, mm-hmm. and people are in this day and age. They're tw- we got all these apostles. You know, I even think of like this one guy's name's Daniel, and his last name starts with a K, and he's from somewhere else, but he's one of these guys that travels the world and he's evangelist. And I, I was actually looking for the video on my phone because I was just going to play it out loud over my microphone. But he's in the middle of a service and, you know, they say that the Spirit of God's around and a lot of them claim that they can see the Spirit of God move, which John chapter 3 specifically says that you cannot see the Spirit. Just so everybody knows. I got real close. Uh, 
But he gets up on stage, and he's like, the Spirit of God's here, and they're playing the music. They got the fog machine going. The atmosphere. Is that the one with the feathers and the, or the glitter? No, that's the guy in Texas. Uh, I can't think of his name. but they What? Have... <laughs> I'm missing it. I'll tell you in a I'm little bit. Out. I'll tell you in a little yeah. bit. Because uh, we've got about... That'll definitely be a good dinner conversation, though, feathers. between our services. Uh, well, the, the podcast tonight. Feathers <laughs> like in a boa, or feathers <laughs> like, like gold glitter, glitter dust. dust. Angel oh, dust. Glitter Glitter dust. Yeah, it's glitter dust, but it's you know the angels are present. That's what they say. Um, But we'll we'll talk about that later (laughs) to save time. But you know he's on stage and he's like the spirit of the Lord's here. Here goes fog machine. Here goes music and all this stuff. And all of a sudden he's like, open your mouth and the Lord will fill it. Just everyone, open your mouth. Speak what comes. Open your mouth. The Lord will fill it. The spirit is here. Fire, fire. And I'm just like, what? And so all these people are like laughing and barking and. You know, la la la. You know all these different things, and he's like, "The spirit of the Lord is here. Open your mouths. He will show you. He will give you what to say." Yeah. Fifteen minutes later, he does an invitation for everyone to be saved. Ah. So here's my question. And if you're like, "Really? Did that happen?" I'll show you the video. He did. He didn't even do his sermon till after that. Okay. So this man is just convinced that everyone in the crowd has spoken a tongue, and then. He gave an invitation where thousands profess Christ. So here's my question. I thought we were supposed to be saved to have spiritual gifts. So therefore, this Daniel guy has contradicted and exposed himself by the order he just did that service. He let, he convinced people that they spoke in a tongue that God gave them, but then they needed to be saved after. That contradicts the word of God. And I mean, this guy, he, he goes left and right all over the place and uh, you know, I, I don't listen, but we need to know who false teachers are. So when they come around, you know, we're on high alert. But, you know, that's the thing is everybody wants to be an apostle. Everybody wants to. And here's the thing. I'm a firm believer. And if you don't agree with me, I mean, that, that's fine. I, I just hope you don't agree with me when it comes to how salvation occurs in someone's life, because that's detrimental to a person's faith. But if you disagree with me on this, then that's just up to you. But, you know, the apostles were well, I mean, they were chosen men but not only were they chosen men but there were requirements like one they had to meet jesus personally and these guys and these ladies in this day and age they've never seen jesus personally and they'll tell you they have but my bible tells me that he went to the right hand of god and the next time i see him face to face is when he's coming to get me so there's a lot of contradictions and red flags that come up but i don't think it's the issue of do signs and wonders because all three of us in this room right now could say yeah god heals people God delivers people from demon possession. Um, God gives men uh, a word to speak. Uh, God gives people spiritual gifts. Yeah, wonders and things come from God. But the real question is, oh, well, can I be an apostle and can I do sign and wonders? Is the recognition going to be on me or is it going to be on God? Who's getting the attention? Is it a show or is it for the advancement of the kingdom? kingdom? Just why, I mean, look at a Benny Hinn service. And you'll find your answer. I mean, his sons are his grand uh, nephew, Costi Hens, already exposed him. And I mean, you know, this isn't a gossip gossip hour. This is a gospel hour. You see what I did there? Uh, show. <laughs> but I mean, when we talk about false teachers, I mean, I, I'm we we that it we need to know who they are. It, yep. it says calm out. And and so when you look at signs and wonders, um, it, it's one of those things that yeah, God can do what He wants. But when you see that the they're gone. They're dead. And now we've been given a charge to study our self-approve, do things that edify the body. And when God does give us a spiritual gift, we need to perform it in context. In meekness. Yes, absolutely. In in humility. And people even like, they'll start talking about prophecy. And they talk about, a lot of people refer to the word prophecy as a fortune teller, like a future teller. You know, in the scripture, when it talked about a prophet, you know, if he gave a prophecy when it wasn't true in the Old Testament, they were supposed to be killed. Right now, now we got guys left and right that are. Um, Kenneth Copeland said that he was going to blow the COVID away. We talked about that. COVID's still here. People are making all these prophecies that the Lord, you know. And so I'm just saying this: when you look at the definition of prophecy, it the word actually says an inspired speaker. So when you look at the context of a prophet or an apostle, they are prophesying, and some of them did say do future things, but a lot of them, what were they doing? They were inspired to speak the gospel. 
They were inspired to teach doctrine. And that's why Paul talks about in 14 that he would he would rather, you know, everybody would prophesy instead because why? That would edify the church. So we have responsibility to do things that edify the church. And so, um, you know, listen, that was a great question you sent in. Um, and I think it's one of those that needs to be talked about, needs to be addressed, not to create division, but to try to inspire and encourage people to go study the scriptures out themselves. But look for the context. Don't look for that one thing. Look for the context, study out the history, and listen, if you're listening to this and maybe you, you believe and you participate in tongues, okay, that's great. Um, but I, I just hope you don't part ways with us when it comes to salvation, because salvation's one of them things that you can only interpret it one way, or you're going to miss the point. But if, you're, if you are listening to this and maybe you don't agree with what we say, then I want to give you a challenge. In a loving way, please, if you want to send us some scriptures... If you want to email at us at media at watsonchapel.net, we will study them out. We will look up the history. We will do everything that we possibly can do and find to study out whatever you send us. And we'll come back to you, and we'd love to have such a love-centered conversation about it. Not to do a, goss- a gossip hour and to argue, but to try to find a middle uh, a ground of context in the scriptures because we all are able to open up this word and find the context. And that's the thing is we want to come out of love. We don't want to argue. And so uh, I hope this challenges everybody to go study it out for themselves. But yeah, when it comes to that question, God can do what he wants. Um, He can heal people. He can do all of those things. Um, But when it comes to the signs and wonders in the time of the apostles, when we look at scripture, it's come to an end. So guys, do you have anything else that you would like to say? I want to, I want to thank uh, for the for the question, who who sent that? Alyssa. One? Alyssa, thank you, Alyssa, for sending that question. That's that's awesome. Uh, if you have questions, please send them in. Uh, we yeah. really uh, uh, are. Uh, We'd love committed. to talk. We we'll talk to you about them out, outside of this Absolutely. podcast room. Because not to interrupt Alan, but I have friends that go to different denominations, and I still talk to them, and I love them. And they'll call me, and every now and then, even when we get lunch, we'll start talking about all the different, inter- you know, how they see the Scripture, how I see- And I love it because we can have that conversation, and we can go through the Scriptures, but after it, we get to shake hands and hug each other's necks and say, we love each other, and we are for certain that we will see each other in heaven. And that's how we want to be with people and that how, send questions. How many, how many other people have the same questions in their mind? So yes. the, the the people that are listening to this may have been wondering, uh, you know, maybe they've never maybe, heard of. Maybe it. they've never heard. The of churches it. just just don't talk about. I had it. a person. We will maybe not today, but possibly in one of our discipleship uh, segments talk about eternal security. Yeah, and uh, individual asked me, explain this to me. Yeah, and he's older than I am. He'd never heard it taught of a different background. Yeah. yeah. And he says, I don't believe that that once saved, always saved, get saved and live free ticket out of hell and live however I want to. I don't believe it. I said, I don't either. That's right. One, that's that's the key, though. I don't, I don't believe it either. One thing I love, and I think this just paints a funny but like loving picture, is like, you know, Matt Chandler, he's a four-point Calvinist. And what I love is one time he did a sermon on God's sovereignty, and he's just talking about, you know, four-point Calvinism. And he's like, but he's like, and I have tons of friends that they're five-point Calvinists, and they believe this, and they believe this, and he believe, they believe this, and I love them. He's like, but here's the thing. They're wrong. <laughs> and he's like, they're just wrong. They're completely wrong, and I'll always tell them that. But guess what? I love them. And I hang out, and he'll he'll just talk about all of his friends that see like some lighter things when it comes to scriptures differently, and he'll just conflict like they're wrong, and that's fine because when they get to heaven one day, we'll all get to stand around, and when the Lord shows them how they're wrong, we'll just sit there and love on them and say we told you so. And but he just conflict says that and, and jokingly and out of love, and that's you know that's how we are. Is we might see it different than someone who listens to this, um, but when it comes to the lighter things. The Lord will work that out. When we get to heaven one day, he'll completely just, he'll show us the context that maybe we've missed out or someone else has missed out. But the important things, we can't, we can't divide over the salvation doctrine. We, I mean, you can't divide over Jesus. You you absolutely cannot. You absolutely cannot. But here, here's the thing that really gets my crank turned when we talk about discipleship is folks that are curious about the scriptures. I am thankful that we're hopefully providing an avenue that they can come to to get answers in, in a non-threatening way to where it's you know what we'll, we'll we'll absolutely we we love questions keep sending them in guys okay so 
We've got about 20 minutes left, and I, I actually had someone talk to me about this the other day, um, and it, it was Mitchell. It was Mitchell Anderson. He was talking about, at one point, he's like, it would be great just to hear people talk about why studying out the context of scriptures is so important. And I mean, we're, we're already in this because of the first question we just talked about. And so, uh, why is, like, literally, think about this, whether it's about salvation, right? Some people will say you can lose it. Do I have eternal security? Maybe it's about spiritual gifts. Maybe it's about the Old Testament or the New Testament. You have all of these questions, but all of them revolve around the same question. How is context important? Is scripture, studying scripture, how important is it? And I mean, we have 20 minutes left, and uh, I don't think we do justice by starting discipleship. But well, like, why is it important? So here's the, for me personally, when I'm, I'm the type of mentality that I'm, I'm strong-willed and I, I, I uh, you know, am free with my opinion. A lot of times, probably more free than I should be. But here's the deal. If you know me, if I'm wrong about anything, man, I want to know it and I want to correct it. And when it comes to God's Word, I absolutely want to be as accurate as my little pea brain can comprehend it. And that study, that search, that drive, that question asking, to me, that's my, that's my number one mode of understanding. If I don't understand things, and there's lots that I don't understand, I have to ask. Help me with this, man. I'm struggling with this. I've heard Josh make the statement, man. I'm I'm wrestling with this one, and and, and maybe uh, uh, send our pastor a text and say, can you help me out with this? Mm-hmm. That is such a comfort to have to know that there are resources out there to help us with our questions. Uh, but again, by you asking us these questions, here's what it's doing to me. It's pushing me to get in God's word. Absolutely, and study well, hard. Study hard. Yes, and and n- n- not get on a a podcast and reveal my ignorance yeah so the keeping it in context the importance that for for me is what what i had to learn was that when you read especially getting into the old testament stuff if you don't know the traditions of that the way that people lived the the circumstances that the churches or or the, the 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 people that walked at that time were going under and then you get into the new testament and you speak of the churches you know so when the when the churches were hand are having certain issues that they came across they were addressing that specific church for that specific incidence and people are taking that and saying well this is what it's saying for all and, and and in my upbringing and my my, my training and, in, and again boy it sounds like i've been very disrespectful to the folks who taught me coming up <laughs> and i'm not i appreciate it guys and i could name some names of some sunday school teachers that are just as uh, godly and 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 and, and sweet and, and nurturing but a lot of times during the developmental stage of my early christian life uh it was uh, it questions because i said so or that's the way yes. we believe it and yep. and how important is is history? Well, I mean, we're, we're going down this trail anyway, uh, and don't deviate from God's word. God's word is the ultimate authority on everything. Yes, absolutely. But we can learn about Him more. We can learn about Him outside. So, and and the the, the topic that we're talked about the, the the historical elements that go along with the Scripture that adds to the understanding in my brain of what realistically and applicably is that a word yes it's going on in here it is yeah (laughs) yes is going on at that point in time and how it applies to that group of people and guess what 2020 we'll find ourselves in an almost identical situation and we can look back at god's word in combination with the things that are going on in that time in that culture in that historical period and understand the context in which the scripture was wrote and the intention behind it. Well, I mean, even like uh, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes and Joshua Pastor, he said nothing's new under the sun. So the way people interact towards God, it's not new. Israel did the same things that America's doing. Yeah. So they're all relatable and timeless truths that we can find throughout scriptures. Um, and, and, you know, when you even think about the context of scriptures, like think about this. Like I remember one time I was in a service or something. I don't know where it was, but I was or maybe I was reading. No, 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 I was reading. And I was in Acts chapter 18. And this is where Paul com- completes one of his journeys. OK, but he's uh, it says that. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately came from Italy, his wife Priscilla. So here's the introduction, Priscilla and Aquila. 
It says that Paul reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. So he preached the gospel to these Jews, okay? And when they opposed himself and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean, for henceforth I will go to the Gentiles. So this is when he leaves the Jews and goes to the Gentiles. So when I read this for the first time, I saw the phrase, Your blood be on your own heads, and I thought, mm, Sermon. Man, your blood be on your own head. And so I was like so excited because it just stuck out to me like a sore thumb, right? And so I thought, man, God's about to give me just this bomb sermon and it's just going to be awesome. So I started studying this out. Not a sermon, right? Because if I would have just read that and thought, man, this is a sermon without studying it and went to a church and been like, Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel. And if you don't believe in it, then your blood's on your own head, right? So that, that is true. But I would have been out of context with this scripture. Because when you look at the reference text to this, it sends you back to uh, Leviticus 29, 20, verse 9, verse 11, chapter 12, verse 2, Samuel 1, 16, 1 Kings 2, 33, Ezekiel 18, 13, 33, 4, 6, Matthew 27, 25, Acts 20, 26. So when you study all those out and you look, man... You see some Old Testament scriptures, but when you really look at this and you think your blood be on your own head, I can't take this and preach it. I'll preach it out of context without studying it because he's specifically talking to Jews right here. So for me to just take this and try to make it applicable to any person, I would be out of context because it's for Jews. And even when you study out the rest of it, I mean, it goes back to the Old Testament about Israel. You know, when they would refuse, blood was on your own head. So it's the same concept. But that's how important context is because you might see something and be like, oh, this is good. We need to start doing this or I need to preach on this or I might do this. And you might just take it out of excitement and start running with it. And it might sound great. And it might sound amazing. But then if you were to really study it out, you might find that you're out of context. And that's the thing. Like even like with James chapter 2, a lot of people go in there and be like, uh, faith without works is dead. You, works save you. Some people will say that. No, that's not what he's saying at all. When you study it out, he's saying, yeah, you have faith. But when you have faith, it produces works so think about how powerful this is right because there's powers in scripture power in context so if i read this as it is and i'm just like listen faith without works is dead boom okay so that is true right but what if i went through this and i went and i saw in verse uh 16 one of you say unto them depart in peace be warmed okay so you see that okay verse 18 yea a man say Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith, thy works, and I will show you show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou dost well. The devils also believe. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? So you could study that out and just leave that it is, but if you study out the context, you see that James has painted the picture of a man saying something. Yeah, man, say, thou hast faith, so I have works. You see all of these things, but then you get into verse 21 through 26, and it's explained. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought his works, and by works was faith made perfect? The scripture was fulfilled, which said, Abraham believed God. And it was imputed unto him righteousness. So you see this where James paints a picture. He's saying, you know, let's say a man says, I have faith, I have works. Okay, two, you know, someone says that to him. Well, then he says, well, you show me thy faith without thy works. And then he says, well, then I'll show you my faith by my works. You know, the devils also believe. Okay, wilt thou, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? So there's a problem that James has painted, saying faith without works is dead? Question mark. 21 through 26, he answers the question by talking about how Abraham first believed, then he offered Isaac up on the altar. So there has to be faith, and when you have true faith, it produces works. But see, if you don't study up the context, you'll never see that. And I'm sure you guys could relate to this too in other places in the scriptures where you've ran into stuff, and then once you studied it out, you're like, ah, that's power right there. Yeah. Yeah, mine was in 2 Corinthians 13. You know, when it, when it said, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves, know you not your own selves, how Jesus Christ is in you, except you be retrobates. 
And I, I was the same way. I read that, and I'm like, oh, yes, here it is, here. And I was, you know, taking notes and everything. And then I studied it out more and realized that the whole contextual form that I was heading was way out of context. And that was not the case at all. That's not what the, that was written for. Um, but you were talking about Israel earlier. And, the, you know, the thing is, is that the, the history of it is important because um, uh, Psalms 107, we see, we see Israel and their dealings with God. Basically, they enter into a sinful situation. They'd cry out for help for the Lord. He would deliver them for them. They would praise them. And then they're right back into another sinful situation. And the same pattern came over and over again. So the one thing that when I, when I studied Psalms 107, I was sitting there and I was reading it. And like I said, I mean, it's just a pattern. And, you know, Psalms uh, 107, verse 6, verse 13, verse 19, verse 28, basically says, They cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distresses. They cried out unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them. And it's a repetitiveness. But then as soon as they would deliver them, they would give God praise. And then time would go, and they would be right back into another situation where they were busted, broken, and calling out for God. This is Israel. And then, but I I think of my Christian walk, and I, I, I am doing the exact same thing. I am finding myself in a broken state, calling out to the Holy God, asking for forgiveness. He's delivering of it. And then down the road I go a little bit, and I'm right back in. So I was thinking while you were reading that, the only difference is mine's not written down. Yeah. If it was There's written, no record of it. Yeah. If it was if it was written down, yeah. how many times, times would it be? Again and again and again and again where God has stepped in, yep. been merciful to me and gracious to me, and I appreciated it at mm. the time. At the time. And then things were going smoothly and all of a sudden I get a little big for my britches and forget that I need God. Well, and so, like, when you study out the context of, like, what Josh was saying, there's power in that. And so there's power in context of scriptures, and that's why it's so important to study out, you know, even whether it's our intro question or somewhere else in the Bible. If you truly want to learn what the original writer, what God was trying to get us as humanity to see, it's going to require studying. And if you're like, well, how do I know? How do you know that? Well, I mean, when you look at uh, in Second Timothy chapter two, verse study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Yes. Okay, study to show thyself approved. Approved to who? God. Okay. So when I study, I'm you know the the pride within a man says I need to study so I can be approved by people, right? So a lot of people study, and I'm I'm a young guy, and I'll be honest, there's a lot of times I study things out, and sometimes my intentions aren't right, and I need to pray and get my mind right, because it's not for the people, it's for God. But when you study, you're not trying to get yourself approved by the church you're trying to pastor, or the Sunday school class, or the youth group, or anything, or the small group. You're studying to be approved unto God, because this is His Word. So if the scripture says study to show yourself approved unto God, and this is God's word, I guess I better start studying because he knows what I'm going to say. And if I if I don't handle his word correctly or rightly divide it, or I add to it, you know, Revelation says don't add to it and all these things, then I might be in danger because I'm not handling the word of God rightly or rightly dividing it. it. I mean, that's what he says, a workman. So here's the other thing. The word workman, the definition's in it work so when we study to show ourselves a unto god a workman so that's going to require some work in the word of god that means like when it said your blood be on your head am i really working if i just take that phrase and just start throwing it out there no i'm not a workman i'm just taking it and running but a workman would be someone who will divide it and open it up and that's why he says rightly dividing the word of truth so it's like think about this you could take John 3.16, right, and share it with somebody. Great. Power. The truth is right there. But how cool would it be if not only you studied out John 3.16, but you studied out the whole chapter of John chapter 3? Power. When you start from the beginning to the end, you're going to see that all of it revolves around John 3.16. 
but all of it will give you more truth that can be rightly divided to share with the people. Now, ultimately, when you teach or anything, you know, the Spirit's going to give you what to say, but we have to study to show thyself approved. That's like this, you know, if, if I don't study, right? So let's say um, pastor calls me and he's like, hey, I need you to preach on Galatians chapter 2 this Sunday for me. I won't be here. And I'm like, okay. And I just kind of glance through it, you know, and read through it. But I don't take time. And then Sunday morning shows up. And if I gave a half effort, I'm going to give a half sermon. And you're thinking, well, the Holy Spirit will give me what to say. The Holy Spirit will give you what to say. But he might have to save you because you didn't study. Mm -hmm. But if I'll study and I'll soak in the Word of God and rightly divide it, then when I preach, the Holy Spirit will bring all things to remembrance. Now, the 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 disciples had an upper hand because they didn't have the book, right? They didn't have everything. So when God, when the Lord said he'll bring all things to remembrance, literally he did. He brought everything that they'd ever been taught to their memory. But that was for the disciples. Now we're in the New Testament church, and you know what our command is? Study to show thyself approved. So you're never going to be able to give anything if you don't spend time to learn anything. Right. So when you start to study and, and God starts revealing himself to you through his word and he starts giving you nuggets of understanding and uh, you start to gain in knowledge one thing that we need to understand is that in corinthians uh, chapter 8 and verse 1 the bible talks about knowledge puffeth up so okay i'm getting smart and god's helping me learn understand okay the danger with knowledge is now all of a sudden i'm getting there i know mm-hmm. i know more than you and I can talk down to people, and I can talk circles right. I can Puts us in a folk. very dangerous I can, place. I can embarrass people by my knowledge of God's Word. That's what the young preachers were doing to Paul in the current. We don't need Paul anymore. Let him stay in jail. But if you go on and finish reading the first verse of chapter 8, but it says, but charity edifies, or, or yes. love. Yes. So the combination of knowledge uh, that you gain in God's Word that is used and motivated from a position of love, man, alive. You're going to see God work in that. And I don't know about y'all, but I know that when I study at times, especially if I start getting in that prideful state or that understanding, a lot of times he'll put me on a big study that is not for anybody except for myself. And he will sit me down and let me know really quick the errors of my ways. And and that's the thing is that, you know, when... And we're, we we will discuss it in an upcoming podcast that we got on the discipleship. But that is one of the beauties of discipleship, is to be able to truly study the Word and to be under as well as help edify others. And there's times that when we study that, you know, do we all have the answers? No. No. And we continue to study to for that, to gain the knowledge, to gain understanding. And it's not necessarily just an understanding of the words. But, I mean, we, we read and study to gain an understanding of who God is, what God did for us. Yeah. You know, the, the whole ent- 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 entity of God. And that's what that's the purpose of studying. I mean, because from from the front page to the very last page, we see the attributes and characters of God. And that's ultimately what we are studying. Yeah, absolutely. We're not we're not trying to gain knowledge so we can cut somebody's legs out from under you. Right. And again, the topic, the question uh, that we come in, it, it happened to be one of those topics that is historically, uh, you're on one side or the other. It's, yeah. It's one of those hard lines that uh, if you don't believe like I do, historically, uh, it, it gets controversial and it gets tense and. It becomes a spiritual disassembly and dissecting and uh, counterproductive yes. conversation well, there's, yeah, there's, rather and, than an uplifting, loving, building. There's good preachers out there and evangelists and professors and people that I don't agree with on some things, yeah. but I still listen to them because they understand why context is important. And that's what I'm saying, you know, even, and I'd love for you guys to kind of chime in on this with me, you know, when the the believer looks at this, you know, when you think about a pastor, obviously a pastor needs to study. People, deacons, everybody that's been called, they've realized, but like for a debate, our lives, right, outside of the calling, but our lives, studying scripture is still important. Absolutely. Because if I'm, listen, if all you do is just show up to be fed by somebody, then what if you're being fed the wrong food and it might just taste good? That's like, you know. 
if uh, you go eat somewhere and all they have is chocolate cake, it might taste great. But if that's all you eat is chocolate cake, eventually it's, it tastes sweet, but it's going to hurt you. And that's the same thing is a lot of people will preach the wrong gospel and it might taste like sweet chocolate cake, but eventually it's going to hurt you. And so there's this importance about you have to know and you have to study to know what you're eating and to know what you're indigesting and taking in. But also, you know, b- before I ever w- uh, worked with youth or preached or anything, you know, I was just a college age kid that was confused and I had no clue what to do with my life. But when I started getting to the Word of God, and I started studying and I started learning, I started seeing that there were a lot of things that God, I needed to work on, right? So like my relationships uh, with girls. How do you view a woman biblically? Um, yeah, thank the Lord that I figured that one out just a little <laughs> bit more. Uh, Haley's actually in this room. So, she's in the house. Yeah, she's sitting right here and she's great. But, you know, uh, what? And when I was a college-age kid, what did the Bible say about drunkenness? What did the Bible say about... Uh, all these sorts of topics that I was confused about. So I got to learn about those, but then also I got to the section where it said, forgive others. And I was like, oh, the Bible says I have to forgive people. Man, I'm not good at that. So I found something I needed to work on. And so outside of the calling, the Word of God is still important because if you want to grow closer to the Lord, then you have to learn and seek Him to know Him more. Because to be close to Him is to know Him, right? Because He's physically not here. So I have to take His Word and everything that I have, and through prayer, I'm going to study and I'm going to learn about the Lord. And so in the calling, outside of the calling, in the church, at the job site, in the home, Anywhere, whether it's just a daily devotion, the Word of God is important to any Christian because this is our food source. We have to be in it, and not only do we need to be in it, but we should probably understand what we're eating, right? If I sit down for a meal, okay, and, you know, it's like tonight our, our lunch, our dinner we're getting is salmon patties. I've never had them. So on the way here, I ask Haley, like, what's in a salmon patty? Hold up, hold up. You've never had salmon patty. I've never had a salmon <laughs> patty. It's, it's, it, it, we call them salmon. Salmon, 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 salmon yeah. patties. We say salmon. salmon. Yeah, we're in, salmon. We're in Tennessee. It's salmon. <laughs> salmon. I mean, I mean, when, listen, when, they're awesome. Real, real quickly, real quickly. Just, I'm not originally from Tennessee, and I have to say, I love Tennessee, and I'm I'm starting to pick up the accent a little bit, but I love it because when I first moved here, Marvel, Marvel. Yeah, and I'm like, what? I was like, I don't even know where this place is. Mary- so then somebody, and I passed by, and they're like, right there is where you get off to go to Marville. And I'm like, that says Maryville. Maryville. No, that's that, up north. Yeah, and that's what that, yeah, you know? And then, and, but the, my, my very first job, real quickly, I'm sorry, I know this is way off, but it's- That's no, okay, we'll come back. It's the, the, my very first job that I got here, a guy came in asking for a battery. But like five times I asked him, because he's like, y'all sell batteries? I'm like- <laughs> what and he's like batteries and i'm like battery and i even went to ask my supervisor i'm like do we sell batteries and he's like batteries yeah and i'm like what (laughs) so it i mean it it, it astonished me so between i was like so when i first moved here that was my joke i'm going to merville to buy some batteries (laughs) so it is merville i'm from there so um but yeah Salmon patties. I've never had them. So on the way here, I'm talking to Haley, which I'm really, I love fish. I love sushi. I love anything, you know, from the water. So I'm like super excited about it. I ask Haley, I'm like, what's in a salmon patty, right? And so she's telling me what all's in it, you know, all the stuff that, go- okay. So if I sit down for this meal without asking any questions, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm just going to have to like try this out and see what happens. But I asked a question and I think you can say in the same sense of the word of God if you just kind of sit down and just take it as it is without really like asking the questions or diving in, you're just going to understand that it's a salmon, it's a salmon patty. Just like some people, they're just going to see this and say, Oh, that's the Bible. It's way more than a book. Absolutely. This is the, this is literally, uh, the inspired breathed word of God. This is what he gave us. And it's really impressive that you could listen to all that and still remember your point that you were trying to make. So good job. I had to. It was hard. It was hard. But yeah, there's just something important about the context of what this word says. Because if I will ask the questions, if I'll study it out and I'll look it over, I'll know what I'm indigesting spiritually. 
Just like food. Yes. I want to know if I need potassium, I need to know where potassium is. Just like this, if I need to learn how to forgive people, then I need to learn where it is and where Jesus says it. Excellent. So that way I can study it, excellent I can absorb points. it, and I can eat it. Are you guys listening? That is excellent points. Yes. Not for me. Um, but <laughs> it's just one of those things that, you know, when people ask, is context important? Yeah. Don't yeah. just read this as a storybook. Don't just read this as a history book. Literally, okay, here's the thing. John MacArthur. You want to know why he's such a good preacher and everybody goes to his church and everybody wants to see him? That man has literally demonstrated what it means to study the Word of God. He has walked through every word in the Bible and broke it down. Every word. That's why he knows so much about the Word of God and how to get closer to God. Because he's literally took is, to, and, all the English words, broke them down to see what they mean. So when we'll get into it, like I, like I said, we're going to get to talk about some things in, in discipleship that are... Literally about, in... 30 minutes. <laughs> They're paramount as far as things like, well, I can't understand God's Word. Okay. There's a beginning point that happens with salvation. And then there's that the whole spirit and the hunger and the things that come along with, hey, God's Word is not intended to be set down and read like a Reader's Digest. It's special. It's different. It, it requires effort on our part. It requires a desire on our part. Yeah. Because it's, it requires assistance of the Holy Spirit. It's not just a tool it's at not, time read. It's not. It's not a, uh, it's not a newspaper. It's, it's God's holy word. And, um, and I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, have this, I just thought of this. I'm really glad that this is just the way that I feel like the Spirit wanted this conversation to go. Because before a person can truly ever jump into discipleship, they're going to have to be around the Word of God. You truly cannot be discipled without this book. Because if you take this book out of the equation and say, all right, disciple me, you're going to be discipled from no such thing as truth. Absolutely. You're just going to be discipled from what the world tells you to do. So this is important to say before we even get into our discipleship series, be around the Word of God and understand that the context is key because everything that we're going to talk about, every scripture we read, is something that the three of us have absolutely broken down and understand and have studied it way more than once. Right. Because you have to be around the Word to be around true discipleship. So, guys, we're, we're hitting our time limit. We're actually a little over. Do you guys have anything else that you want to say? God bless. God bless. All right, guys, we will see you next time. Peace out.